If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? <laughs> Macintosh. Brigadier. Tom McGann. Toby Haydock. Lisa Bowerman. Nicola Bryant. Deborah Watling. Paul Cornell. Nick Briggs. Bella Villavier. Matt Fitton. Graham Harper. Sophie Aldridge. Kate Nine. Brian Blesser. Jake McGann. Robert Shearman. Nev Fountain. Tony Lee. Tim of Tim's Take On Podcast. Daphne Ashbrook. Sarah Sutton. Fraser Hines. John Donnie. Bob Fisher. Beth Chalmers. Jacqueline Pierce. Chase Masterson. Katie Manning. I love Dirty Hooers. I am a Dirty Hooer. Hello, you Dirty Hooers. What a wonderful day. I have a restraining order against the dirty whores. I am the aerial automatic in a world full of dirty whores. You always get a big finish with dirty whores. You have to be very careful how you say dirty whores, don't you? Dirty whores. Most satisfactory. You're listening to Dirty Whores, you lucky thing. Whoa, whoa, I've got him like a bit of a whore. I am the chief dirty whore. Dirty, dirty whores. You better be listening to the dirty whores. It is more interesting than interviewing a Dalek. I have to say rudimentary papoose. I'm proud to be Dirty Whore's first ever Battenberg. Whoians? <laughs> You're all whores. Who did you say you were? You're listening to the Dirty Whores. Ew! Ew, that sounded dirty! <laughs> Ew, that sounded so dirty! I mean, frankly, <laughs> the name's a bit Not unusual. Love by anyone. Welcome, you filthy hooligans, to this, the 100th official episode of Dirty Whores. Big thank you to the prof for the intro there. In fact, a big thank you to Fuchsia, X, and all the other founders and contributors to this nonsense over the years. Some would say we've moved on. Some would say we've lost our way. This time around, we're heading back to season 13. It's been 13 years for us. That's a coincidence. The early 76 fan classic, The Brain of Morbius. Fuchsia, we know this one's a fave of yours. So this one's for you, babe. Spoilers ahead, obviously, if you haven't seen this already, shame on you. Go watch this before we go any further. Pause us here. We can wait. Oh, my God. Don't do that American accent ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Big Tom, our Sarah Jane, with Philip Maddock as Victor Frankenstein, uh, Colin Fay as Igor, Michael Spice as the voice of the monster, and introducing the motherfucking sisterhood of motherfucking Khan and some actual Gallifrey backstory. <laughs> <laughs> After Android Invasion and before Seeds of Doom, this was directed by Christopher Barry, who brought us such Hoovian stuff as Damon's Robot, the Daleks, the Rescue, the Romans, and Downtime. And produced by Philip Hinchcliffe. Suitably twinkly hammer-esque music by the outstanding Dudley Simpson. Writing credits go to Robin Bland, who's actually Terence Dix sulking about a rewrite that Robert Holmes did. Uh, <laughs> Tabby, my dear, put down that gold top and explain our rating system, would you? 
Well, if this episode were a 70s prostitute or gigolo, uh, we have the rating scale. Mm, free blowjob is low, 50 is high, and there's some stuff in the middle. That's simple. It's that simple, really. <laughs> oh, my simple. God. The stuff in the middle. I need to know because I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? 5, 10, and 20. There we go. 5, 10, and 20. Okay. By the way, this episode aired exactly one year to the day before I was born. (laughs) I will give this a flat 20. Well, I'm going to give it a 50. So there. Um, What are we doing again? (laughs) (laughs) I'm slightly hangover. Okay, so I give this episode 20. 20. I'm thinking a flat 20 as well. A solid flat 20, though, for the cheese of the story and for having the balls to tell it. Yeah. For the Gallifrey of it. And for Colin Fay, who's probably worth the fucking price of admission on his own. I love Doctor Who episodes with atmosphere, and this had gobs of it. Yeah. Maybe too much. And maybe conflicting atmosphere. It felt to me like it was trying to do a little bit too much. And that's ironic when it comes to Gallifrey backstory, because this is like one of two episodes in the entire history's run where we actually got any. It's like they got the whole Frankenstein vibe really well. And then they got the ancient religion vibe from the sisterhood mm-hmm. and the marooned on an alien planet thing. And it was just, there was a lot going on atmosphere wise. And that was the only reason it wasn't a 50 for me. Mm. Um, okay. Just, it's like the scene cuts were a little jarring to me sometimes where there was so much atmosphere in each setting that it's almost like I was jumping between different episodes sometimes. But it did come together at the end. And I mean, we're <laughs> I say this whenever I review an episode, we're told to rate it against other episodes of its era. And this aired in the same season as Pyramids of Mars. No. So uh, I know. that's the 50 and someone, because there's always that person, someone's going to go back and, and watch the listen to the episode where we reviewed that and find out I didn't give it a 50. I have no fucking clue what I gave it. <laughs> but if that's the 50, then this didn't do quite everything right. But damn, was it good. And we all know I love me some Gallifrey backstory. Mm, yummy. Uh, <laughs> love, love the sisterhood of Karn. Love the establishing that whole thing around the Rassilon and the revolution against the Pythia and the sisterhood. And yeah. they didn't actually use that term, but the Pythia. That I don't believe that the name Pythia came about until the New Adventure novels. But that whole idea that it, that at one time Gallifrey had been basically a religious theocracy and. Uh, just really cool. Love that whole thing. And the things they dropped in. This will be my quote, too, but whatever. I was born in these parts. Well, within a couple of billion miles. The doctor telling Sarah Jane that. Mm. The average distance between Earth and Uranus is two billion miles. Mm-hmm. So Karn is clearly in the same solar system as Gallifrey, which raises all sorts of wonderfully nerdy things, like the fact that the habitable zone in the Kestoverus system is almost as wide as the entire diameter of our solar system. Or the which orbit is, is in the orbits or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that means that, that they must be orbiting like a super red giant sun, which would absolutely be in keeping with everything we've seen. Yeah, the, actually, because that works. Yes, that yeah, works um, doesn't it? Yeah, so that means that the solar system is absolutely gigantic 
gigantic um, by comparison to our own. Just some really cool techie stuff, which in 1976, they did have an idea about some of that science. So it makes you wonder if that was just a throwaway line or if someone actually thought through some of that stuff. I don't know. I've, uh, whenever we talk about this techie stuff, I love to pretend that they actually knew what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> but they don't always. Retcon oh is also that's what I said. I know, it really is. That's um, amazing. I love your deductions with that. That's awesome. You've really enhanced <laughs> the whole thing for me. Who knows? I mean, Doctor Who and science, especially back then, oh my God, some of the stuff in the Hartnell era was like, wow. It's so bad. Okay, immediately, four or five things jump immediately to mind from the Hartnell era. Like Planet of the Giants. Exactly. That was, that that was, was that a was hot fucking does mess. Does what? <laughs> what? Oh, God. Um, anyway, so, but I loved it. Just great, almost too much cheesiness, but not quite. Yeah. If, it had, if it had been any other doctor, it would have been a complete mess. But Tom Baker hams it up just the right amount to fit with a story that cheesy. It oh, yeah. Just yeah. Works. It just works. And it wouldn't work with anyone else. It wouldn't even work with early Sylvester McCoy because he didn't take it seriously enough. So it was mm. it was the perfect story for the era in all of the best ways. It had horrendous costumes and also amazing costumes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought the look of the sisterhood was fantastic, and the the look of the monster and the insect alien was just so horrendously horrible. (laughs) No. Come on, the costumes and makeup in the original Hammer films were far better. I mean, it was like a caricature of bad horror movies. To be fair, they did they had movie budget. True. Yeah, I know. I mean, they had like back then they had like thirty five pounds set aside for costumes and makeup. I mean, <laughs> I've seen yeah. that costume, and it is in the flesh quite amazing. I've got to say, it's incredible. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. The brain itself. I mean, let's not even get started on some of the science with that. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that he kept a straight face and actually looked distraught when he was picking the brain up off the floor. Just, just, I I, I can't even, I mean, how many times did they have to film that? And the fact, if Tom Baker was anywhere near set when they did it, it must have been the one time during the entire run he was sober. Because there's no fucking way they would have got, I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it crushed in his hands because there wasn't anything inside it. Was, it. Yeah, it was just a, oh. uh, oh my god, it was so bad. And then there were so many great tidbits. Um, it was, but the, it worked. Come on, it worked. Oh, it totally worked. The Time Lords sending him there to deal with Morbius coming back and to kind of level off and improve the relationship between the Sisterhood and the Time Lords. And, okay, pardon me for another bit of retconning here. Sorry, <laughs> my friend. But we are one season removed from Genesis of the Daleks, which now we talk about being... The major main Who moments in Who history. And also... First strike in the time war. Do I have the right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now looking back modern day Doctor Who, it was Time Lord first strike in the time war. How much of that had to do with Morbius and how much of it had to do with the Time Lord sending the Doctor there to smooth over relationships with the Sisterhood because they knew they would need them? And as far as me retconning, that's not entirely true because Knight of the Doctor kind of codified that mm-hmm. to a certain when, extent. When, I mean, wait, how? When Paul McGann's Doctor 
went to Karn, he was, <gasps> I won't say welcomed, but it was definitely a very oh, different reception than he got. It yeah. was obvious that they had been heavily involved in the time war at that point and not just in the periphery. needed a warrior you know and it it sounded like what i kind of got between the lines is that the sisterhood was basically developing biological weapons for the time lords at that point that is very much the impression i got from that episode and if it had been nine minutes instead of six minutes they might have actually come out and said it the fact that they could tailor a regeneration with oh regeneration and, just amazing that bit blew my mind in that and in, and, in that and you can bet that they got it wrong a lot before they got it right yeah. so by the time they were ready to use it on the doctor who at that point was probably already one of the time war's best soldiers they knew they had perfected it by the time the doctor showed up. So that was, it's not me retconning saying that Night of the Doctor was a very heavily engineered event in the Time War. So how much of that was Stephen Muffet looking back on this episode and including the Sisterhood of Karn and the Brain of Morbius as an integral event in the Time War? Also, because it was the 50th episode, it was just a massive fan wank. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a fan favorite, this episode. Unjustified, yes. you know? Yes, but it was a fan wank done right i mean it hit every button unlike some of the other stuff that muffet did in his tenure this one this hit everything this, this was a, it. you know when you've had a shit day and you've had a really shit day you've had a really shit week and work's been crap and stuff like that and you you just think do you know what it's okay because it's nothing brandon mobius can't fix <laughs> yeah or if i don't have much time i'll just watch night of the doctor <laughs> or, or stay of death yeah do you know yeah. what i mean it's just, yeah yeah. Fucking, yeah it's all right it'll be okay yeah I almost look at Night of the Doctor as being included in this, like this was the final 10 minutes of the episode that they didn't write the first time around. And we haven't done a separate review on that, I don't think. So I just feel like including it. By the way, that six and a half minutes or whatever is a straight up 50 with yeah, yeah, yeah. drop by and have a we, three so many times you fucking watch. did. I think we just I covered so. all the 50th stuff in one go and went 50, yeah, 50, so. 50, 50, 50. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. Right. We've been doing this long enough that Terry's birthday parties now result in her being hung over with no alcohol. So that gives you an idea yeah. how long we've been at this. Right? And, and like, if one of you had stabbed me, you'd be out by now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I loved it. It was fantastic. It set up events that in fandom ended up reverberating for decades. So we got at least 10 years of role playing in Second Life out of it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Did we ever. <laughs> we really did fall into roles in second life that because the best <laughs> acting is when you don't really have to act that's what's made all of the doctors so fantastic and a shout out to kylie and ronan who i don't know Legends. how much of us they still listen to if they listen to any of our podcasts Why but I, I don't know <laughs> but the the relationship that us as the people who played time lords and their companions in second life had with the two leaders of the sisterhood in second life was perfection to mm -hmm. this episode it was contentious allies where nobody had to put any effort into the acting for a decade 
a decade of gameplay in my life between the ages of 31 and 41 that I will never top anywhere else. So I thank this episode, if nothing else, for and how many other people in Doctor Who fandom have gotten to experience stuff equivalent to that because of this great atmosphere and backstory we got. It's perfection. And the the beautiful thing is we're we're still friends. Absolutely. I actually have a poster on my wall here that says, keep calm and ask Sen. (laughs) (laughs) Because we made one for the TARDIS and I printed one and it's on the wall in my office still. Keep calm and ask Sen. Is something wrong with the fucking TARDIS? I have. Did you last update the scripts on the console? (laughs) It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I have on my wall a hand-painted Hands of Omega logo logo painted by my blind nice. wife Solas. So all the colors are wrong, but it's actually very good layout. <laughs> I know. It's I great. Love She's such a darling. We had it's such good fun, her and I. We got squirreled off to one side for a while and spent 10,000 years together. I know. <laughs> long story. It's a long yeah. story. It's a long story. It happened in that time. We had great fun. All right, I'm done. I could do this all day. Ah, my go. See, I gave it a higher mark than you guys did, and I didn't have the problem that Sen had. I like all of the surfeit of atmosphere. I quite like it rammed down my throat. And uh, phrasing? First yeah. shot of that misshapen claw hitting the rock. <sighs> The storm raging in the background, it had me. I love the pathetic fallacy, and I thought the costume wasn't too bad, all things considered. No, I fucking love the costume. I gotta say that I love the fucking. Oh, thing. I didn't say no. I loved it. It was shit, but I loved it. The, the two aren't mutually yeah. exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I obviously I'm always loving the gorgeous shiny-haired Liz and her gumption going off to explore the planet alone, while the Doctor was sulking with his yo-yo and going off wandering around Solon's castle while the Doctor was drugged off his face and I also just love it whenever the companions rescue the Doctor. Her costume as one of the Sisterhood of Calm wasn't exactly convincing and she didn't have a lit torch and I'm sure the actual Sisterhood would have sensed her presence but my god it speaks of girl power and resourcefulness and strength to have her sneakily sneakily make her way to the shrine thing and save his ass and even when she's blind she's still <laughs> hightailing it around the planet looking for him and I hear what you're saying but I did think Liz was woefully underused in this one she was but when they did use her she was actually doing stuff instead of just you okay. know she wasn't always the victim she was kind of the deuteragonist you know so I thought I think I'd... you remember that more fondly than I did because that's one of the reasons I didn't give it a 50. Oh really? Yeah because I thought she was underused so maybe you just remember it more fondly than I do. Yeah Rose did I'm, I'm very likely wrong. I also couldn't help being drawn to Solon with this head obsession and his mad hair and his array of insulting sobriquets for condos. The guy who played him, the acting was utterly incredible and like wholly convincing for me. And I thought it was good to see Condo getting a lesson in consent from Solon of all people. Oh, Condo, he's fallen off a rock. (laughs) He's got Sarah Jane tied up and then Condo tries to stroke her hair. And then Solon sees her cringing away and says, all right, that's enough. She doesn't like it. Now go. Um, and it was touching. Oh, Kondo gave his life for Sarah Jane. I think it was an obvious ending to have Solon casually done over by Morbius towards the end of episode four. But uh, for me, the predictability of it did feel 
very satisfying in an inevitable kind of way, like kind of redolent of the way things usually go down for the master. In a very making, Mary Shelley kind of way, yeah. An alliance, yeah. then yeah. getting screwed at the last minute, you know. Yeah. The sisterhood of Khan nicking the TARDIS was, I thought that was like a nice subplot that was well established. I liked their costumes and their makeup and their overarching sinister wrongness was a great engine for the plot and I love the scene where the doctor first arrived there and like it was just hilarious you still practice teleportation how quaint <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it stole his fucking TARDIS so it's badass yeah. <laughs> quaint yeah. <laughs> and him standing there looking vaguely bored while tied to the stake and the sisterhood were completing the rites around him was just like chef's kiss. And mm. I love the drama school, sacred fire, sacred <laughs> flame, whispering and the hand movements. They were clearly putting all of that training to very good use. Oh, but it was fucking perfect. I mean, this is the, you know, this, this is decades and decades and decades and decades ago this was masterful this was fantastic yeah, i was really into it and i thought the end of each episode you do like a good. ritual don't you you do like I, do. A- <laughs> I absolutely do um the cliffhangers were were good the monster scaring the shit out of sarah jane and the brain of morbius bleating maniacally at her and it was it just worked oh. for me i love the cheese you know how i feel you do don't cheese. fear it you don't fear the cheese you don't no i do not everyone says it tabby doesn't fear the cheese <laughs> brain of morbius yeah. i do like this episode a lot but i just just in my memory of doctor who in general i could never give it a 50 even though it's way up there why? I, I'm not sure I can explain why, because it's really likable and, and fun. But, the, you know, the monster, he's good in some ways. But um, I never felt really terrified, because mainly because of the fishbowl on top. was just looked so shitty. And uh, even though uh, the rest <laughs> of the body was so grotesque, it was kind of awesome in the grotesqueness. Yeah, it kind of broke the believability. <laughs> not that it was believable in any way. <laughs> like, how could those different limbs function together? <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I do love the atmosphere of the planet with the, the crashing ships, like it attracts uh-huh. ships. And of course, the sisterhood of Karn, I, I love that. Um, I really do. I just love their whole concept and that they had a big influence on the culture of Gallifrey and all that stuff mm. that um, Sen previously mentioned. I, I won't go into it, but it, it's wonderful. And they did have good costumes with the crazy makeup, you know, which I think later on they they sort of emulated and wasn't uh, Karen Gillian, oh. Gillian or whatever. <laughs> A nunnery, a sisterhood or, or of some kind in Greece or whatever. So they kind of copied it a little bit. One of the, I just kept laughing when I was watching it because of Kondo and Solon. They were like the odd couple living in the bachelor pad from hell. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. <what> the, <laughs> it was like this hammer odd couple. Why did you clean up this place? Clearly I'm the smart one with the perfectly groomed beard. Look at you, you're smart. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why you ain't even got an arm? Oh, poor Kondo when he realizes that his hand has been used <laughs> for a monster wank. Yeah, he's just like, oh, so that's where it went. You told me, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like his brain is like slowly processing. 
<laughs> Sarah Jane is totally cute in this. I'm not crazy about her blind acting. Solace had dramatic. a couple words about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like her hands fully extended and her fingers fully extended. It's like what? Why she didn't pick up a stick or something? You know. Right, exactly. Know. Yeah. Grab she a damper. Couldn't see it. <laughs> she still can't shake her habit of accidental injuries while being chased. Instead of quarters, you know, that was better in this one. Instead of quarters, we had rocks. I got to go back to the Sisters of Karn. I got to go back to Solon. I got to go back to the Sisters of Karn. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that is just so Doctor Who. So I, I guess it has to happen. It's so Doctor Who. It's still a bit Doctor Who. They play the all. Oh, the running. But yeah. Yeah. She's blinded while escaping the sisterhood. Then she takes a brutal tumble down the long ass stairway. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I laughed at that. I'm so mean. <laughs> It's like, come on, Sarah. You don't remember that there's stairs there. That's point. <laughs> but in general, the whole thing is like, of course, Tom Baker. Yeah, you're right. He ties it together. He usually ties any shit together. You know, it could be a terrible totally. story and he'll tie it together. He, he's like glue. I don't know how he does it, but he, he his seriousness and his drama can just pull everything together. Sweet. Like everyone mentioned already, the guy playing Solon does the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it helps you with your imagination to like really get into the story and believe it you know and it is a crazy story but it's awesome in bits especially regarding the sisterhood and the their flame and the fact that the doctor just looks at it and he's like you know sherlock holmes and like it's just science you've got a clogged chimney <laughs> just clean it out with a little explosion and you're, you're good as rain so it was fun it was fun done was rambling it's a tiny wee ickle bit lame, but it's also really good. It's really well put together, has some top draw Whovian lore, and it's just mm-hmm. who horror as fuck. If you want who gothic, this is the pinnacle of who gothic. If that's not what floats your boat, you're fucked. I mean, rewatching this again, I find myself pleasantly floated. Yeah. <laughs> Season 13, I think. I think on the whole, season 13 is just, as Sen said, fucking amazing. Is it Zygons you've got? You've got Zygons, haven't you? Yeah, Pyramids. Zygons. Yeah. Seeds yep. do. Ooh. Um, Planet of Evil. Yeah, Android with possible, invasion. except, yeah, well, that's that's the fucking... Android Invasion's, I think, the low point, and Android Invasion's still pretty fucking good. Well, it's, yeah, because it's, it's Terry Nation. Yeah, it's Terry so, Nation. Yeah. Someone falls yeah. off a cliff at the beginning, obviously. Um, <laughs> it's just classic after classic, and this is four back-to-back episodes of gothic trope after fucking gothic trope. I know this is a kind of a tribute to classic horror stories, you know, notably that sort of, as Sen said, universal and those hammer. But when I look at stills from this, you know, the big dumb sidekick, the monster made out of leftovers of other monster suits, mm. uh, the green throbbing brain in the jar, it all feels kind of a wee bit early Star Trek, darker than Star Trek by far. But for me in the stills, oh, the yeah. are sort of there. Dark, dark. I mean, Mary Whitehouse must have fucking shit a kidney dark, you know. <laughs> if it weren't for Tom's occasional one-liners and Condor, the fucking panto manservant, and the whole firecracker gag, this would have been well too dark for people <laughs> shared on a Saturday. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Sarah gets yeah. herself blinded, for fuck's sake. Um, never mind the, the dubious, like, sort of big clawed body horror made of stolen astronauts right up there with, you no know, Cronenberg, I suppose, the fly or, or the yeah. thing, sort of, John yeah. Carpenter. Oh, shit. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, yeah. It's, there's really quite a lot of fucking icons there. There's a lot of tropes. I think the production design in this is just fucking amazing. 
we get the whole planet, you know, like Khan, and all we see really is a cave and a raggedy set of stairs, but we still get a whole world. <laughs> and this sort of perfect yeah. mise-en-scene, says film school sputters, do you know what I mean? A couple of long model shots and mm. some fake studio lighting. <laughs> but it's exactly what's needed, no more, no less, you know? It's perfect. It just sets a whole fucking world with a dumb castle model on a fucking pinnacle and a shit staircase. Look, my leaves. Camelot. 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 It's only a model. So good <laughs> that, as you said, they brought the Earth Dog back here for the 50th, and we all fucking cheered. The sisterhood, open hearts. You know, it was just so beautiful to see. Mm. This sort of quality of set and props and the timeless story like this is just fucking peak Doctor Who. And the laboratory, that could be straight out of Curse of Frankenstein. The whole drawing back the curtain for the monster reveal, it's just beautiful, you know. It's alive! <laughs> it's just fucking... Every trope is there. And the sisterhood are really good, you know. Let's throw in a fucking cult that worships an eternal flame just for a bit more goth. They're brilliant counterpoints to their neighbours, the Time Lords. I don't think we even see yeah. a female Time Lord, apart from Susan, obviously, until Roden in Invasion of Time, maybe? It's a yeah. fucking boys' school of outdated Freemasons, and the sisterhood are like the Catholic schoolgirl school yeah. up the road who think the boys are just bad and only want one thing, their sacred flame. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stop the same dumb fucking rules, but with some younger blood to get it all sorted out in the end, which is a nice twist, you know? Yeah. Um, the whole thing onto themselves, but woven into that bigger picture with the whole Gallifrey and legend thing, for me, back in the 70s, this really opened the Hooniverse. It really was. It felt like something important, this episode. i got to yes, yes. give a shout-out to uh, Philip Maddock as Solon, who was just fantastic. Oh, and yeah. whoever did the beard and the hair and the pseudo-tweed suit with elbow patches thing, he was... <laughs> yeah. He was actually also in the Crotons, which is what, 68, 69, and War Games, which is 69, and Power of Kroll uh, at a later date. But his delivery as the sort of genius acolyte in the pursuit of science was just fucking primo classic stuff. His ranting and his, uh, I don't know, fervor, maybe, was perfect theatrics for the character straight from the West End stage, channeling the whole modern Prometheus sort of thing, you know, fast delivery equals intelligence. A total pleasure to watch. Total pleasure. Again. You know, for, for like the 10th time I've watched it, a total pleasure to watch. Though, unfortunately, having to share so many scenes with Condor. <laughs> a hook-handed fucking half Oh, I love Condor. Condor. <laughs> so mean. Fucking mean. You um, chicken-brained biological disaster. <laughs> he gets some great lights up. Uh, it's hammy, but it's also pretty hammy at times as well. I mean, I know Condor came good and saved SJ, and he, he did get the comedy, oh, brain on the floor, master. But what a fucking waste of tissue. It must be a nightmare to find staff on Khan, to be fair. But he's no Bella <laughs> Ghost or even Marty Feldman. You know, I mean, Condor's just fucking... <laughs> he's just wearing. But we are watching a family show, and fuck me, it needed something to round the edges off this. Yeah. Because it must yeah. have been terrifying the average 10-year-old behind the fucking sofa of Britain. It really must. Mm. The bulk of any lame in this one pretty much emanates directly from condom. But <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fucking lame. So unlike everything else in this, he sticks out like a seven-inch uncircumcised cock at a fucking gym. Oh, jewel. God. He does. Come on. Yeah. Wow. Shit. It's shit compared to everything else. i got to be honest, I'm not a fan of the whole mind-bending thing either. I always presumed they were previous iterations of morbius and yes. i was quite happy thinking that 
for a few decades yeah. until I read otherwise yeah. some fanzine interview with Philip Hinchcliffe. I know we got the finite generations thing after this in Deadly Assassin, but it really didn't need retconning by the new series. But whatever. I mean, I really don't need most of the new series, to be fair. <laughs> also, nowadays, and I know this is probably unique to the bag of fucking misfiring neurons I call the brain, but when I see the mind-bending apparatus, it reminds me of Lady Cassandra O'Brien, Dot Delta 17, and I love yes. strange undertones mm-hmm. of fucking moisturise me every time I say it. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, as I say, Liz oh. is a bit underused. She spends a lot of it blind and doesn't really get a lot to do, which is always a shame. And I know she does stuff to start off with. I just like my Sarah Jane stronger than this. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, by way of clawing back some shelf space, um, I was clearing out some of my duplicate character options stuff the other day, and I came across a Morbius monster in the packet, and I just couldn't part with it. I held it in my hands. A little 10-year-old me just couldn't believe they made an action figure out of that. I mean, it's proper fucking mental patchwork when you look at it, you know, like a big clawed alien hand and a normal hand stolen from his lab assistant, a goldfish bowl for his head with these fucking eye stalks and an alien body all made of fur, and it's like stapled together and shit. I mean, what the fuck? I remember seeing it at Langothlin. I went to the thing at Langothlin, and it must be a fucking sweatbox for the actor, who was Stuart Fell, <clears throat> by the way, who's infamous for being the body of Alpha Centauri and the giant rat in Talons of Wang Chiang, as well as a million other fucking things. But this <laughs> thing, I bet they were pouring it out of his fucking boots. Cracking suit, <laughs> beautiful suit, classic, classic, classic monster. And you've got all that with the dropped brain of an evil Time Lord genius yeah. super criminal in it. I mean, that's fucking... That's just fucking legend. That's just crazy. How did they do that? It's just, oh, beautiful. So, yeah, anyway, I digress. I've been drinking. 20 bucks. Uh, I'd definitely call her again. Nothing mind-blowing, but time well spent. Uh, maybe next year we can record some videos for her OnlyFans. One to treat yourself if you get a bonus this year. I've got this one on DVD, and, and it's much loved. And there's a making-of doco on mine, which is worth a look. And the commentary is with Tom and Liz and Maddock and Hinchcliffe. And Chris Barry. So everyone you actually fucking want to do a commentary is actually oh, on. Wow. Um, and there's a docker with the production designer as well, the great Barry Newbury, which is good if memory serves. And I think I got it for under four quid on eBay. So that's well worth it just for the extra. Nice. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we've come to this point and we could roll the wheel of hope. Am I right that we've decided not to roll the wheel of hope? Yes. Not, right. Okay. So what we're doing from now on is we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. And it's going to get really infrequent. But if we <laughs> want to roll the wheel of who, we'll roll the wheel of who, and we'll all get together and do something. But we've got lives. Tabby's got yeah. work to mark. Terry's got crazy plants to water or not water, whatever they fucking need. <laughs> I've got chickens got, and a tortoise. Uh, you know, Sen's got children to beat with sticks until they make the right noises. And, and, yeah. I, <laughs> and I've got... I've got nothing. I've only got this. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. Sad. I, I see other podcasts and shit like that. No, I've got fucking work and children to look after. We're going to start doing whatever the fuck we want to do. We've done 100 episodes. And quite frankly, we think we've done our time. So if Sen and I want to do something on the history of the Galactic Federation, we're going to do it. Yeah. That sounds like fun. And, and freaking Tabby want to get together, talk about an episode, a new series episode, or the costume in something, or how they feel about a certain actor. And we will record it, and we will put it out, and we will do whatever the fuck we want to do. These are going to get really infrequent. I think you're going to be lucky to get to a year. We're still going to carry on doing them, and I will wrangle this bunch of cats, because they're all cats. 
Meow. Yeah. <laughs> Every so often and say, hey guys, you see, straight off, I've got an idea. Uh-oh. I would like to do, as a whole thing, I would like to do the key to time. So I'd oh. like to start off with Rebus Operation, and I'd like us to do the whole of the key to time, but do like shorter episodes. Wait, are you uh, sure we didn't do that already? We haven't done any of the key to time. So <sighs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, right, we're going to do the key to time. We're going to go on this day. Whoever turns up, so long as there's two people there to talk about the key to time and the individual episodes of the key to time, we're going to fucking do it. Okay, so, I'll, so I'll like, do the key to time. I'll do yeah, that. Sounds okay. cool. Oh, okay. Cool. Shit. All right. <laughs> so, so much for the last five minutes of conversation. We're going to do the key to time. So we'll start with Rebos Operation and go from there. But, you know, in the meantime, Sen and I might say, right, a history of TARDIS console rooms or how the TARDIS yeah. actually works or Ooh. Omega and the importance of him in Gallifreyan law. I want to end a conversation without someone saying, yes, but you're retconning it. That's not what really happened. Fuck off. Let's just talk about what we wish it would have meant then. <laughs> and we're going to do that we're going to do that in abundance and you know if I want to do two hours talking about adventures in time and space the Doctor Who fucking role play game and how I've made billions of alterations to it and how it's really good in the way I run it Ooh, oh my god I like that because I tried to play it as ah uh, yeah you see I've converted <laughs> it to Savage World Savage World system's great and the thing is you pass your character to the left when he dies simple as that so you've got the previous incarnation and the next person plays the next incarnation of that particular time lord oh. and you, you swap companions everybody says well i'll play this companion i'll do this i'll do that yeah that's how you do that's it brilliant so the character just goes on and on and on and goes through you know what happened because such and such played him who sits on your left and your right. i yeah. love it and savage world system's fantastic for that kind of shit i could actually run an online campaign for that Wow, that's actually not a bad idea for a podcast. All right, this is all getting edited down. I'm going to write it down. What if we just did all these things without having a schedule, without, without having any yeah. obligation or anything? Whenever we felt like it, we just did it. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay, good. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, we do quotes now, don't we? Oh. I don't have any quotes. I didn't look it up. But sorry. We never doubted you. That is why it is so perfect. From one of your own race. From one of those who turned on you and tried to destroy you, you get the new head Morbius, the crowning irony. Full! I'm sorry, the pun was irresistible. <laughs> I got one um, from the beginning when Sarah Jane shouts, Oi, have you gone potty? Who are you shouting at? And he says something about the Time Lords, and then he's like, there's something going on here. Some dirty work that they won't touch with their lily-white hands. <laughs> well, I won't. That whole won't conversation was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, mine was, uh, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. That same conversation, because that was him playing with Yo-Yo. So yes. the start of my love of Yo-Yos. There you go. Aw, nice. Thanks again folks for supporting us and listening to this thing that we've done for over a hundred episodes without our support team over the years we'd have been useless fuchsia begonia our very own tegan javanka and missy of the convention circuit the prof our strong man in the edit suite for a third of our episodes x the wise old hermit who stepped up and spoke out from his cave ex-husbands and ex-wives patient spouses looking at you solace and mr s and so many others plus you yes you you fuckers who keep listening to us and like our social posts you who we've met at conventions and through second life who've become our friends if it wasn't for us meeting at bezabil sim this would never have happened you who've encouraged us to embrace this poorly delivered madness over the last 13 years you who didn't care 
that we didn't care. We raise our glasses to you. Cheers. Here, here. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen. We have been the Dirty Hoers Doctor Who podcast. Hope you are too. Cheerio. So long. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to the Dirty Hoers Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHoers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hoers. See you next time. Can we take a two-minute break while I go and have a wee? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> See, he's going to leave his mic on, and and the the tag no. for this episode is no, going to be please. him weeing oh. in the distance. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to put a a thing after this one because if this doesn't need pirates, I don't know what fucking does. This is God. <laughs> <laughs> young frankenstein because yeah. that's the right thing to do oh totally it is. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>